0: Awesome. Well, hey. Um, as we're beginning a brand new series today, we'll explain it here in just a second. Uh, did you get your uh, Did you get your little blank dice when you walked in today? Did you get one of these? Go ahead and grab that. Um, if you did not get one and you care to have one, just grab one on your way out. And you can grab those at the door. But a couple of things I want to point out about this dice, and I've got a larger version up here that. Every side uh, kind of looks the same, but there's obviously multiple sides. And I know I'm stating the obvious here. So this is, this is a cube or a blank dice, whatever you want to call it. And every side has a part of that. And I have you hold on to this because as we start a series on prayer, oftentimes we feel very like one dimensional in our prayer. And if you're like me, I'll admit to this too. We kind of have our typical prayers. We have our go-to prayers, kind of those rhythmic. It's it's a rhythm that we have, whether that's the rhythm of praying before bed or praying when we wake up in the morning or praying before meals. And typically those prayers probably sound about the same. So we ask God to bless our food. We ask God to keep us safe. We have our laundry list of things that we want God to do for us. And very often those prayers over time can kind of just feel like we're a little bit in a rut where we're just giving God some information. God, let me go through my list for you today. Here's what I need for you, for you to do. Here's what is going on in my life. Da, 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 da. And we begin to just our prayer life, not saying those are wrong prayers, but it's not like it used to be. So this series is for any of you that kind of feel like, man, my prayer life, it exists, but it's not like it used to be. Or maybe your prayer life hasn't really even started because you don't even know where to start. What I'm hoping that we will be able to do together is, yes, see those prayers. Absolutely. But there's a lot of other sides to prayer as well. And oftentimes we just get stuck on, well, this is what I pray or this is how I pray. But we also pray to God, our father. We pray to God as our shepherd. We pray to God as our friend. We pray to God as our Lord. We pray to God as our king, as our savior. And as we recognize those different relationships we have with him, we also recognize how we talk to him should change. God, my friend and God, my savior, God, my king, God, my Lord. We begin to pray slightly different prayers when we recognize the different relationships we have with God. So we pray things like, God, here's what I need. But we also say, God, just thank you. God, here's what's just going on in my life. I don't really have anything to ask you for. I just want to tell you what's going on in my life. God, here's what I'm struggling with. God, here's what I'm angry about. God, here's what I'm worried about. And all of a sudden, when you start to think through it, you recognize there's so many different sides to prayer that if we're not careful, we miss. And we just stick to the same prayers that we grew up praying or the same prayers that we've been praying for however long in our lives as a Christian. And my goal is to help you see this month all the different sides of prayer as we make it more personal. Because prayer is not just, God, here's what I need, here's what I want. Prayer grows your relationship with him. It's a conversation. And the more you engage in that conversation, the deeper your relationship with him, it will become. Last month, some of you know this, um, I took my oldest son to New York City just for like two days, short little 10-year-old trip and got to see a ton, got to do a ton. Uh, But one of the more meaningful places we went was the 9-11 Memorial. And today, as you know, is September 11th. So when we went to the 9-11 memorial, um, he knows of 9-11, he's 10 years old, so he knows of it, he knows about it, he's heard us talk about it as a family, he's talked about it at school, so he's aware of the event of 9-11. But my purpose in taking him to the memorial was not so he could learn about facts or become more knowledgeable of a past event. When we were at the 9-11 Memorial, and and you see the names at the memorial, I was able to share my personal story of it. I was able to share, here's where I was, Connor, when I saw the second tower get hit. And I'm sure every single one in this room, you could say, I remember where I was. I began to share with him how it felt to still be going to, to my college class after I saw that happen remember talking to him, uh, he would ask questions, well, what was it like afterwards? And be able to explain what it felt like in the days afterwards. Had the opportunity to share the true meaning behind sacrifice for those first responders in our military. So that conversation that we had there at the 9-11 Memorial in New York City last month was not about, I want to give you just a little heads up, Connor, here's something that happened. I wanted to have a conversation that was relational based, that was relationship based. That was, here's what's meaningful to me. Here's what this meant for me. Here's what I experienced and what I felt. So Connor, I want to have a conversation with you about that. It was not about sharing information. It was about engaging in a relationship. And church, that's what our prayers are intended to be. Our prayers are intended to be based on the relationship, not the needs. And so often we kind of flip those around. So this series from now until the end of the month is all about making your prayers personal. It's not just pray. It's pray, but pray personal. How do we make our prayers even more personal? Because our prayers are intended to be relational, not transactional. We tend to easily go to the transactional version of prayer. Here's what I need. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what is going on. We have our list. Again, not a bad thing, but there's so many other sides we don't want to miss. So, how do we make our prayers more personal? One way that we're going to help with that is by using Psalm 23 as a guide. Psalm 23, and just a second, you're going to see this, and I want you to pay attention to the, the, the extent David goes, the author of Psalm 23, to point out the relationship that we have with God. And I believe if we can focus on our relationship with God and who he is to us and who we are to him, if we can learn more about our relationship with God, then I think the way we talk to him will become more relational. Our prayers will become more personal. That's the entire intent. It's not just to pray and to pray more, but to pray more deeply, to pray more intimately, to pray more personally and relationally with our God. So here's how we're going to start. We're going to do this each week over the next three weeks. We're going to read Psalm 23 together, pay attention again to all the relational language you see here. What does he do? Who is he to us? Who are we to him? And then we'll pray. And then we'll dive into the first part of this. Read this with me. Psalm 23, starting verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the relationship you not just have with us, but you desire with us. I pray that as we dig into your word and we hopefully learn and grow in our relationship with you, I pray that how we talk with you begins to change and begins to shift that if we find ourselves in maybe a rut in our prayer lives, or maybe it's still early on in our prayer lives and we're not even sure what to do next with our conversations with you, I pray as we discover who we are to you and who you are to us, that how we talk with you begins to change. Speak to us, Lord, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 23 is where we're going to be. So if you've got your Bible, be there. Um, Psalm 23, I see three sections that we're kind of going to break this up in. So, week one, section one, and then you can see how that goes for the next three weeks. So, we're really just going to look at the first three verses of Psalm 23. Again, have those lenses on your eyes and on your heart of trying to pay attention to what's the relationship? What are we trying to learn about who we are to God and who He is to us? Again, our relationship with him, how we view that relationship will change how we talk and pray to him. So here's the first part. The first section in verse one says the Lord is my shepherd and I have all that I need. Notice the key word there I would say is my. He's not just a shepherd. He's not just the shepherd. He is my shepherd. The reason that's so significant is because right in the first line, it's very personal, isn't it? It's not, the Lord is this some shepherd. No, he's like, no, intimately, relationally, personally, the Lord is my shepherd. And when you say my, you talk differently, don't you? I talk to my wife very differently than I would ever talk to your wife. I talk with my kids very differently, than how I would ever talk to any of your kids. In any of my relationships, I'm going to speak differently than if it was just yours or theirs or a, but because my, it's personal. That's a totally different level of conversation, a totally different level in our context, what we're looking at, of prayer, all because of that one word, my, the Lord is my, and then we're told what this relationship is, shepherd. Now let's work together on this. If he is our shepherd, what does that make us? Sheep. Isn't that a great compliment? Not so much. If you know anything about sheep, it's not necessarily a compliment. Sure, they have their uses, but not many. So because he's my shepherd, then that tells me I'm his sheep. And based on that relationship, without going into all the different aspects of it, the point behind that phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need, That first part is recognizing that there is a reliance on a shepherd. As a sheep, I can't do much on my own. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have enough. So I need my shepherd to provide. That's what the rest of this Psalm is really pointing out. Here's how my shepherd takes care of his sheep. So if we are considered the sheep, and he is our shepherd, he's my shepherd, that I am greatly reliant on him. I'm greatly dependent on him in every every sense of the word. So I'm gonna give you three, as we go through this first section, I'm gonna give you three prayers to include or ways to pray that hopefully will help make your prayers just a little bit more personal. Here's the first one out of verse one. When you pray, declare your deliberate dependence on God. Because you're his sheep and he is your shepherd. Because he's my shepherd, I have to rely on him. I have to depend on him. And that is extremely intentional. It's not an accident. It's not, oh, I don't have another choice. It's a no, I am choosing willfully and willingly to depend on him. So when we pray, another side to our prayers are, God, I I truly do need you. I'm absolutely dependent on you. I have to rely on you. So when I ask for my needs, God, I need you to provide this and I need you to help with this. I'm not asking as someone talking to a genie in a bottle. I'm asking as a sheep to a shepherd because I can't do these on my own. I am desperately dependent on you and I do so deliberately. I want to be dependent on him. That's the first part and making your prayers personal. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. So we are dependent on him. Look at verse two. Verse two says, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. A beautiful picture of where God leads us. Now notice where he leads because he's our shepherd. He's my shepherd and he's your shepherd and we're dependent on him. That means we're going to follow him wherever he leads us. Now we're told where he takes us. So what does that relationship look like? Where does my shepherd, where does your shepherd lead you? We're told, well, to streams as well as to meadows. He just told us the sentence before that he provides everything that we need. Well, here you see the two basic needs, food and water, don't you? We see meadows where we would eat, and then you see the streams where we would drink. So Jesus, as our shepherd, provides the necessities. He makes sure we have what we need. He's a provider. That's what a shepherd does. Part of his job is to provide and to take care and to meet needs. So we're told our shepherd does just that. Provides the necessities of food and water, but pay attention to the adjectives that are right next to it. It's not just food and water. It's not just meadows and streams. What do you notice? You guys remember grammar school? Like what's What's the adjectives with each of those? What's the adjective for the meadows? How's it described as green? Yes, it's not just meadows, it's green meadows. What about the adjective for the streams? Not just any kind of stream, it's a peaceful stream. I love the adjectives there, not just because it's poetic, but it's very descriptive. And the way I interpret that is Jesus leads us to what's best. It's not just, I'm going to take care of you, make sure that all your needs are met. It's not just, I'm going to make sure you have food and water. It's no, I'm going to lead you to the best meadows. I'm going to lead you to the most peaceful streams. That's above and beyond, isn't it? It's not just the bare minimum. It's not just the necessities. It's just not what's needed. It's not the bare minimum. It's abundant. It's abundant. It's beyond our expectations. It's beyond what we need. It's beyond what we could ever ask for or imagine, the green meadows, the peaceful streams. Yes, it's what we need, but it's also what is best for us. So when we say he is my shepherd, we have to follow him. And when we choose or when we choose to follow him, we recognize he leads us to what is best Here's your second way to make your prayers a little bit more personal. When you pray, admit that God knows better than you. Admit that he knows better than you. So often we want to go our own ways. We wanna lead our own life. We're gonna go to the meadows we want and the streams that we want rather than following where our shepherd desires to lead us. So this is a level of trust. It requires us to trust our shepherd. It requires us to trust Jesus. And trust that wherever he does lead us is best, is the meadows that are green and the streams that will be peaceful. Time out for a second. and Let me just give you maybe a, a question to think through and we'll talk through this just for a quick second and move on. That's a beautiful picture on where Jesus leads us. When you give your life to Christ and when you follow him, he leads you beside these green meadows and these peaceful streams. Like that's beautiful. But is that what you really think of when you think of following Jesus? Let me say that again. Is this picture we see in verse two out of Psalm 23, is that really the picture you think of when you think about following Jesus? The reason I ask this question is because that's a struggle sometimes. Because following Jesus doesn't always feel like green meadows and peaceful streams. Sometimes we use adjectives like difficult, restrictive, painful, lonely. Sometimes that's where we feel like Jesus is leading. Well, if I follow you, Jesus, if I follow your word, if I do what you tell me to do, that leads me down a difficult path. We're going to see that in the next section next week. And yes, it's not always immediately green meadows and peaceful streams. He will get you there, but it requires trust. Trusting that he knows more than we know. Trusting that he knows best. And he even wants what's best for us more than we know what's truly best for us. So he leads us, And he makes us rest specifically in green meadows and peaceful streams. Third verse, he renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. So I have an empty cup. There's nothing in it, right? Which are you enjoying your valor coffee, by the way? It's good coffee if you're a coffee person. Uh, So empty cup. So if I were to have my cup here and I decided I would like to have some water in my cup, there's really only one way to do that. I would not be able to just think really hard about filling my cup. That's not going to fill this cup with water. Even my desires, I have such great heart and I have such a great intentions and I have great motivations for this cup to be filled with water. My intentions, my motivations, the goodness of my heart is not going to fill this cup. Even if I started to talk to one of you, any of you, the entire room of you, I really want this cup to be filled with water. Could you please help me? I need you to to fill this cup full of water. Even you, technically speaking, wouldn't be able to conjure up water and fill my cup. There is no possible way to fill this cup with water, make it empty to full, without going to the source, without going to the faucet, because that's where the water comes from. If we're not able and or not willing to go to the source, it'll never get filled. Even if you say, no, 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 I'll take care of it. I'll get water for you. Well, where do you have to go? You have to go to the water fountain. You have to go to the source of water. I bring that up because that's the point of what verse three is telling us. Notice that first part of it. The very first line said, he renews my strength. Now, the fact that we're using the word renew there says that it had been diminished. Once was strong But because I need to be renewed, that means it's now been diminished. So there's a level of weakness. So how do we get that strength back? How do we spiritually get refilled? It's not by good intentions. It's not by having a good heart. It's not by being motivated. It's not by having other people do that for us. We have to go to the one who provides it. We have to go to the source. And we're told here, he, our shepherd, He is the only one that renews our strength. So if you want to be filled up, you have to go to the source. We go to him to be filled. That's what a shepherd does, doesn't he? Doesn't just provide, doesn't just lead, but he fills up. He fills you and I up when we go to the source. But it's not just filling us up. Notice what else we're told here. The very next line. So he renews my strength. He fills us up. He provides us what we need, our strength. It's not from ourselves. It's only from him. But he also guides me along the right path. So we start to see again where he's leading us. The right path, we're told there's a right and a wrong. So he makes sure as our shepherd, he leads us along the right path. But notice why, bringing honor to his name. Oftentimes we think, God, lead me along the right path so that it works out well for me. Lead me along the right path so that I get what I want. No, he leads us along the right paths for his namesake, for his honor, for his glory. So here's the phrase I would use for this section, for for this verse. It's all from him and it's all for him. It's all from him. That strength, it all comes from him. If we're feeling empty and we need to be filled up spiritually, then it's only gonna come from him. And I love that you're here this morning. I love that we get to talk through God's word together. I cannot spiritually fill you up. I most certainly cannot. If you showed up today like, man, I hope Brian's got a good word. This new series, man, I really hope that it speaks to my heart and fills me up. I'm going to disappoint you because I'm not the source for that. Now we're reading from the source, which is why this is so important. But I can't do that for you. It's when you get into God's word on your own and it's when you begin to tap into the source, now he will renew you, not me. It's not your parents, it's not your kids, it's not anybody else. It is you going to the source. It's all from him, but it's all for him. His namesake, his glory, and his honor. It's why he leads us the way that he does so that he will be made known. So when you pray, here's your third one, give him credit. When you pray, give God all the credit. Sometimes when we pray, we just pray with expectation. Not a bad thing, but let's not forget the other side to it. The other side would say, but God, this is all from you and for you anyway. Everything that you give, you can also take away because it's all yours anyway. Do you notice what that prayer begins to sound like? It's very humbling, isn't it? To recognize that everything is from him and for him that he gets all the credit. When things go well in your life, it's not because we worked really hard. When I get water in my cup, it's not because I've figured it out. It's because I went to the source. So when things move in your life, when God does show up in your life, make sure you're not missing that side of prayer, that you're giving God all the credit. Each of those three verses speak to making our prayers much more personal. We recognize that he's my shepherd, so I have to depend on him, deeply personal. We recognize where he leads us, which requires trust. And we're trusting that he knows what's best, deeply personal. We recognize that it's all from him anyway. We have to go to him. If we don't go to him, then we don't find fulfillment. We don't find satisfaction. We don't find true life. It's only found in him, from him and for him, deeply personal. If I were to give you one prayer to begin to pray, to make your prayers more personal, it would be those three combined into this. Lord, lead me. Lord, lead me. Wherever you wanna lead me, I'm trusting you know what's best. Wherever you wanna lead me, I'm gonna have to depend on you because those next steps are a little scary sometimes. Lord, lead me because I know it's all from you anyway. I have to go to you as the source and I recognize you're doing this for your glory. So lead me. What would begin to happen if that prayer infiltrated your entire life? Lord, lead me as I wake up this morning. Lord, lead me as I go to work today. Lord, lead me as I walk in through, into my front door today. Lord, lead me as I'm doing my bills and working on my finances. Lord, lead me as I'm interacting with people I don't like. Lord, lead me. What would begin to change in your life if that personal prayer made it into all other relationships? Because we said the relationship we have with God, it changes how we talk to him. Let me take it one step further and say our relationship with God impacts all of our other relationships. Your relationship with God is not in an isolated box and an isolated relationship. It impacts and infiltrates every single relationship that you have, every single aspect of your of your life. So let's walk through this. Like, let's make this hopefully very practical. These are by no means like all of your relationships. Those are pretty big categories and pretty big general buckets. So this probably covers a good chunk of them, not all of them, but a good chunk of them. So what would happen if you said, God, I'm giving you permission to lead me in myself. Like, it's not me making all the choices anymore. It's not me leading myself. It's me listening to you and your word and my desires and my hopes and my dreams and my thoughts and my actions and my attitudes I'm letting you lead. What would begin to change in you personally if you said, Lord, lead me, instead of me leading myself? What about in your marriage? What would change in your marriage if you said, Lord, lead me as I lead in my marriage, as I lead my spouse? As I walk home every single day, what begins to change on how I think and how I act and how I treat my spouse if I'm letting my shepherd lead me? What begins to change if Jesus is leading instead of you in your marriage, family, you could think immediate family. You could think extended family. That's probably more convicting, isn't it? If we start, if we start at the more people you add, the more convicting it gets. So what would happen if we said in my extended family, my immediate family, God, what does it look like for you to lead me in those areas? How I treat them, how I sacrifice for them. How does our life begin to change? How does our family begin to change when he's the one leading? You can do the same thing with friends. All of a sudden, the dynamics change a little bit. I'm not just with friends doing whatever we want. Is there a foundation? What is our friendship based on? Work. What does it look like for Jesus to lead you when you walk to work? When you sit at the desk, when you're sending emails, when you're interacting with coworkers, when you're dealing with employees or employers, Do your words change? Do your actions begin to change? Do you give a benefit of the doubt? Is there more grace? What happens when he's the one leading you at work? Community. We're all involved in so many different aspects of community, whether that's neighbors and neighborhood, physically, geographically, whether that's different organizations that you're part of, whether that's different volunteer environments and nonprofits and kids' schools and soccer and baseball and football, like all the things. What community are you part of and what would it look like If you said, Lord, lead me, lead me as I walk into my community, lead me as I walk into volunteer, lead me as I walk into my kid's school, lead me as, as you would desire in community, church. Now that feels like a no brainer. It feels like we wouldn't have to say this, Lord, lead me in church, but we still have, we're still human. So we still have sin and we still have our own personal preferences. What does it look like to be part of church and to say, Lord, lead me? It's not necessarily what I want but it's where you're leading. It's not necessarily what I would think, but it's you leading. What does it look like to say, Lord, lead me even in church? Finances, ooh, that's a sticky one. Lord, lead me in my finances. How would we manage our money differently? How would we be generous? Would we be generous? Who would we be generous to? How would our generosity be shown if we said, Lord, lead me in my finances? You could go on and on on this question all day, but it's so valuable if we truly believe that he is my shepherd, he is your shepherd and he provides for us and we trust that he knows what's best and it's all from him anyway, what if we let him lead our lives? And what if our prayer life showed that? Where we say, God, I'm deliberately depending on you and I'm trusting that you know what's best. So I've got things I'm gonna pray for, but the other side of that says, but I trust you. And God, I have some things that I want you to do, but I'm also gonna follow you regardless. I'm not gonna try to do these on my own. What does it look like for us to pray personally, Lord, lead me, period, without without any other attachments. We just say whenever and wherever I will follow you. Let me give you a story real quick out of Luke chapter 5. I'm not going to preach through the story. I want to use this as an example because all of these sound great, but what does it actually look like in real life? How do we actually let him follow us? Some of you might be familiar with this story, Luke chapter five. I'll read through it pretty quickly, but I want you to hear what happens as Jesus was teaching early on in his ministry and he comes to a man named Simon Peter. Here's what happens. Verse four out of Luke chapter five. When Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Simon Peter, one of the, soon to be one of the disciples, he said, now go out where it's deeper and let your nets down to catch some fish. Master, Simon Peter replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. I love that. Notice he called him master. That's important. We're going to see why later. He doesn't really believe Jesus is gonna be able to do anything different. He said, we've tried everything, we worked hard, we've gotten no fish, but whatever. Because it's you, because you told me, because you say so. So there's a trust in who Jesus is, but there's not a belief that anything's really gonna happen. And sometimes that's how we obey. God, you're leading me this way, you're asking me to do this, you're telling me to live this way. I don't see how this is actually gonna work, but I'm gonna have to trust that you know what's best. Sometimes trust and obedience have to come before belief and understanding. Verse six, and at, this time and, and, at, and at this time, their nets were so full. So they did exactly what Jesus said, and their nets became so full that they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in from the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Notice the abundance there. Remember what we said earlier out of verse two, he, leads us, he makes us lie down in green meadows and leads us beside peaceful streams. This isn't the bare minimum. It's not like they went out and caught a few fish. They went out and caught so many fish that their boats were sinking. When you follow Jesus, he leads you in abundance. This is not prosperity gospel. It's not like when you follow Jesus, he gives you everything you want. Of course not. But he gives you life and life abundantly. And we see that here. Verse eight, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, "'Oh, Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man.' For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon Peter, "'Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people.' And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus." Do you notice what Peter called Jesus the second time around? Did you catch it? He called him Master at first, and then what did he call him afterwards? Lord. Lord. It's a big difference. Master is, yes, sir, whatever you say, I don't really care, but I have to, and I will. Lord has a heart behind it. Lord says, I will follow you because I'm your servant, and I'm doing so willingly. Peter willingly says, you're my Lord. You're not just master, you are my Lord, like you are my shepherd. And the result was not just a bunch of fish. The result was he was awestruck. He was amazed. When you pray that prayer, Lord, lead me, you will be amazed at what God does does in your life. You will be amazed at where he leads you. Might not always make sense, but you have to trust. But when he amazes you, make sure he gets all the credit. And they continued to do this. This wasn't a one-time thing. Once they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So this is not a one and done prayer. This is something we constantly do. That's why you have that little blank dice. To be a constant reminder, you can put it in your pocket, you can put it in your car, you can put it on a nightstand or maybe next to a bathroom mirror. You've got that as a constant reminder to constantly pray, Lord, lead me every single one of my relationships and all aspects of my life lead me. As you hopefully grow in a personal prayer life through this, this series, let me give you three specific questions for you to personally wrestle with. The first one is the most important one. Am I following Jesus? In Psalm 23 language, is Jesus a shepherd or is he my shepherd? Is he our shepherd or is he truly your shepherd? It's a personal relationship. You need to have that personal relationship with Jesus. That happens by saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I desire you in my life. And I'm not perfect, but I need a savior and I want you to be my Lord. So Jesus, move into my life. Am I following Jesus? First question. Second question, what step could I take that requires me to depend more on Jesus? For Simon Peter, that was letting nets down. In Psalm 23, that's trusting that he's leading you beside peaceful streams. I have no doubt that there is a a step in mind that you haven't taken because it's a little scary. You haven't taken because it makes you a little nervous. You haven't taken because you don't know how it's all going to work out. It's probably in one of those relationships, isn't it? self, marriage, family, work, community, church, friends, finances. There's probably a relationship that you've not taken a step because you don't wanna rely that much on Jesus. I'd rather take care of it myself. Can I encourage you to trust him, trust where he leads you, trust your shepherd. Take a step that requires you to depend more on him. Lastly, what amazes me about God? Don't miss that side of prayer. We can get caught up into the, well, I need you, Jesus, and I need you to do this, Jesus. But don't miss, God, you amaze me. Look at what you've done in my life. This is all from you and for you. Be amazed by your shepherd. So what I wanna do as we pray, since this entire series is on prayer, I'm gonna give you a couple moments to pray personally instead of me just praying for you. So we'll put lights down so it's a little less distracting. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to stay right here. I'll close this out in just a moment, but spend some time praying. If you don't know where to start, think of those three. Declare that you are deliberately dependent on him. Trust him that he knows best and tell him that, or just be amazed. Give him credit for what he's done in your life and in the people around you. Go ahead and pray personally, and then I'll close this out together. Lord, you are my shepherd. You are not just a shepherd, you're not just the shepherd, you are mine. And I am yours. Jesus, I pray that we would pray more, not just more frequently, yes, that's part of it, but that we would pray more personally, more intentionally, more deeply, more honestly that our relationship with you is not just transactional, but we would see our prayer life as a way to grow our relationship with you. Just as a husband and wife would spend time talking and sharing as friends gather together to meet and talk and share, may we have that kind of desire with you to pray and spend time with you, to pray and have a conversation with you, to share our hearts, but also to listen to yours. We declare that we need you, that we are dependent on you. We recognize that you know what's best. So we don't trust ourselves, we trust you. And God, we give you all the credit that everything is from you, so we go to you as the source. We give you all the glory because everything is for you. As Peter had to let down his nets, may we take next steps to grow our relationship with you, to follow you as you lead us as our shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.